Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name is Martin Thompson uh, from the ITAM Review and I'll be your host today. Uh, on the podcast today, we have two gentlemen from the Netherlands from a company called Intusam, uh, Nico Blockland and Sean Van Kaltwijk. Uh, hopefully I've spelt your name, you'll pronounce your name correctly there, Sean. So, Sean, if I could ask, come to you first, if you could tell the readers, uh, the listeners rather, um, uh, your, what you do, uh, what Intersam does and and, uh, and your background perhaps. All right. Well, my name is Sean van Koutrik, as you said, Martin. Thank you for that introduction. Um, I am a uh, an Agile project manager combined with software asset management skills. Uh, which is one of the, the interesting uh, topics we, uh, w- w- uh, in, in which I'm very much interested. I've been working with Intusam. We've started Intusam uh, somewhere in the beginning of this year. Uh, what we do is we do anything related to uh, software asset management. Um, and, uh, well, basically, that that's uh, if it's a tool-related uh, implementation, we will go for that as well. But we do a lot of things beyond that. And what I particularly like is the way that we do it. So, and Nico? Hi. Uh, well, Martin, thank you for the introduction. Uh, we uh, we go back uh, a few years already. Um, I'm also at Intusam, uh, and um, my experience well, my expertise goes back already uh, before uh, the millennium change, and uh, well, I've been an expert on, on IT and service asset management for uh, uh, around about 20, 20 years. I'm being an evangelist on on, on, on SAM. I'm in the uh, the ISO 9770 workgroup 21, uh, trying to get uh, software asset management uh, standardized in this world, and that's one of the topics uh, that we are working on uh, in. Uh, into SAM at the moment, and we uh, we try to uh, to get the world uh, better with uh, with with into SAM and and get the organizations uh, have more uh, out of their uh, investment on software software assets. That's about it. So, gentlemen, what what I the reason I was keen to get you on the podcast is you have quite a unique uh, perspective on the uh, ITAM market. Um, and and some some specific topics that I want to cover today in, 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 that you've covered in your introduction. Um, but before we do that, could you just give us a quick thumbnail, a quick introduction to the Dutch market for those that are not familiar? Um, I, from my opinion, I see the Dutch market is relatively mature in terms of SAM. There's um, lots of large corporates, perhaps that have a European base in Holland. Uh, what's your view? Uh, what's your view of the Dutch market? How's things going? Go for me. Okay. Uh, well, uh, um, what I see in the Dutch market is that we are working already quite some time on software asset management, and large organisations are implementing this. 
uh, with uh, quite various results. I, I see uh, some organizations I started with in, in the early 2000s that are uh, uh, redeveloping the, the, the SUM environment and, and re rethinking uh, on how to do this. So actually there's uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, mid-size organizations in the Netherlands that are really starting out with SAM and uh, what I do see is that uh, uh, a few uh, enterprise organizations in, in the Netherlands are uh, uh, in the replacement market as you, as you call it in ITSM. So they're, they're perhaps finishing with their first SAM tool and looking for another through, yeah, through that's what, what it is. dissatisfaction or lack of features why they why have they got that churn? Uh, both, both. Uh, dissatisfaction in, in a tool set they uh, selected and uh, didn't uh, come up to speed as it was sold for. And uh, on the other hand, uh, some of the organizations uh, started out, uh, were bought by another organization that uh, didn't have a problem, Sam. Uh, and, and at some point, uh, well, it, it all went down the drain, and uh, they, they need to restart Sam again. So what well, that's, that's what you, uh, sorry for interrupting there, but that's exactly also the point that if you look at the implementation of a tool for Sam, uh, a tool by itself is not really a solution, as we say, with, uh, from into Sam. Um, and a lot of companies have, have started to use a tool, to implement a tool, but not fully implemented some environment, some processes, etc., into their organization. So the two does not provide the benefits that they uh, first thought they, they might have. So what absolutely now I'll say as well, Sean, is is it from the ITSM market that I think they say that is you know people spot their help desk every four years or something. They churn it, and that's yeah. because they potentially they haven't actually done all the they haven't got a balanced solution in terms of people process and technology they just they're hoping that by ripping out one sound tool and putting another in that will fix the problems they have yeah yeah right yeah that's what you you're seeing so they're re, they have been re-evaluating uh, their position with two set that they currently uh, have used um, and are trying out another two so that's what, what's generally uh, being done. Uh, but I, I do see some growth in maturity where uh, they, they, they do want to uh, adapt to uh, um, uh, well, uh, a better SAM environment as a whole, including the tool. Uh, but that's a, a, a consciousness which is growing and rising. Uh, very steadily over the last two, two and a half years. So, Sean, you, you mentioned in your introduction that you're a, you have a um, uh, background in Agile. Um, yes. So that, we, we covered, I think it was uh, back in January in 2016, we covered um, a webinar whereby uh, Tony Crawley, who was one of our ITAM Excellence Award winners, were talking about doing SAM in iterative steps so that you yeah. could trickle out results very quickly and then sort of, um, th this is my naive view of Agile anyway, you, you, you take iterative steps and rather than disappearing into the basement for two years to go and develop something, you, you start um, giving results very quickly 
and yes. and evolving your plan as you go. Is that a crude way of describing Agile? What's your view on things and how you apply Agile to SEM? Well, generally, if, if you talk about iterative steps, then you, you, you're describing the, the operational part of SEM, where we actually start working on the topics. But it's the topics and the way that you handle them which differentiate uh, within the Agile method, the way of thinking about how to uh, work on, on specific issues. Well, if, if I look at Sam, and if I look at how many companies are uh, approaching a SAMP implementation, uh, either just by setting up a tool or trying to eat the elephant, as I might say, um, it, it's just too big. And where what Agile says about this is that uh, although uh, an elephant may be quite large and the chunks might be quite big, you should cut them up into pieces and then eat them in any order that fits best with the situation that you're into. So uh, you might have major issues on certain some topics. Um, uh, and obviously you, you do need some of the foundation of SAM implemented first. But then uh, what Agile says is take the most important topics that are hurting you the most, let's do them first. Let's do the iterative steps on these so you will have the uh, return on investment on those very very short or on a very short notice. Uh, and then as you go along, you take uh, topics that are might be less of importance gradually growing to that list where the customer owning the list will uh, tell at a certain point in time, okay, that it's far enough for me, or it's far enough for me at this moment, uh, and we might continue in a later stage. But they have a lot more control on the things that you are doing for them. And that's the thing I like about Agile. Uh, we're focusing ETAM and SAM are, are made up processes, so it, it's touching many elements. That's a big one to handle. Uh, but focusing on the specific topics and issues, that's uh, vital. And we say that good is good enough. That's also something that you hear about Agile, what we say. And that doesn't mean that uh, it needs to be a uh, lesser option or a lesser solution. But you have to focus on the return on investment, which Sam can bring you. And that can be different each period, uh, depending on audits, changes in the infrastructure, moving towards the cloud, for instance. So, uh, and, and by cutting those up in, into sections, um, you, you can much better have a grip on where the SAM, SAM process is going. Um, the other thing with Agile also is uh, it's not like, uh, okay, uh, I have a company, I have an issue here, I'm getting uh, a team uh, from uh, consultants or experts uh, into my company and they'll resolve it and then they're off and, and gone. Agile is all about collaboration with the client, so the client sets the objectives 
and uh, you also need to prioritize them where we of course will will assist assist the customer if needed um, so, so it, can you recommend any if somebody wants to explore further about agile and yeah. DevOps and, and that whole new world of developing at different pace where where can people find out more about that what would you recommend in terms of resources well, uh, the Agile Foundation, uh, the, the Agile organization, uh, might be a good starting point. But uh, let me, um, I, I can add some information later on to point you into the right direction. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, there's another thing I might say about this subject. I, I mean, if, if you uh, let me, I'll go on and on about Agile. But... Um, you know, we've been working with uh, item review now uh, for a while, and we've also been working with the 12-box assessment model. And that actually would be a very good starting point to do an agile project, because the output of the 12-box assessment will show you also the, the main points of interest for a company. Showing you where to focus first. Yes, yes. So you mentioned um, uh, audits uh, and uh, as potentially something that a company might be responding to, and, and I was keen to get you on the podcast specifically to talk about your concepts of an audit monitor, because we did a, a workshop in um, Holland uh, back in, when was that? Uh, in April. April. It was in April, yeah. April. And um, yeah. we, we had a, a quite a busy, a busy event, and you introduced this concept of an audit monitor, and yeah. uh, which, which is, from my view, is almost a cross between a, a central point of contact and an audit specialist. Could you introduce the concept and, and the sort of what, what does an audit monitor? What is an audit monitor, and what what, what does an audit monitor do? Because I love the description. Okay, okay. Well, the the, the, the audit monitor uh, description is actually uh, uh, the central guy uh, or, or girl in an organization which is a single point of contact towards the, the auditor uh, and also make sure that the, uh, the, the, the organization is prepared for any other uh, audit that will come up uh, at any time and um, in, in the end it's all about the other defense uh, as we were talking about it uh, mostly uh, uh, during the events, and well, uh, that, that's uh, it's it's a daily job. Well, maybe not a daily job, but on the other hand, an auditor uh, who comes to an organization has a daily job in auditing uh, organization. He knows uh, where to go. He knows what knobs to turn uh, to 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 get his information, and he also yeah, well, he's skilled to get information that he normally wouldn't be getting. And if you uh, insert an, uh, a function or a role like an audit monitor in your organization. You have somebody over there who is as skilled as this auditor and, and knows how to uh, to reject some of his questions and he knows about laws and legislation uh, to give protection to your organization. That's, in, in well, in a nutshell, not really, but that, that's the idea we had for every organization. It's, it's a kind of a project manager. He, he he manages the audit from uh, from the perspective of the client. It's it's almost like um, I, I don't mean to be flippant because an audit is a very serious thing with serious financial penalties. Yeah. But it's almost like a like a first aider or a, a fire monitor that knows the drill, knows what to do, knows who to speak to, knows what to do in right. that particular situation. 
Yes, yeah, well, and, and that's the whole point, as we've discussed also on uh, on the April sessions, is that uh, any company that uh, will get an audit or will get receives the audit letter, uh, from the point that you receive that letter or are expecting it to uh, to be dropped in your mailbox um, on a short notice, they have to be prepared, and if you only then start thinking about how to prepare and what you need to prepare and how you need to respond initially and as the audit progresses that that there is a specific function with specific needs where the audit monitor then uh, comes into play. Just as a side note, um, before we started this podcast, um, we were talking about the fact that it's one of the hottest days ever in Holland at the moment. And in, yes. con- in contrast, uh, we've got uh, like almost monsoon rain in the UK with with cracks of thunder. So if you hear some weird noises on the podcast, you I apologise okay. and, and you know why. Um, but I, I like I like the approach, and and you you guys are offering training to around the audit monitor specialisation, which I think is fairly unique. I don't see many people doing specific courses around audit defence and how to manage it. So kudos for you for innovating in that space. I really like the concept. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. And, and uh, the most important thing uh, during an audit or when uh, when an audit is is announced to you is, is just gain time, gain time, slow them down uh, and, and prepare yourself. That's that's what it is. Yeah. We both uh, working on the in the ISO group, uh, Nico, around ISO standards. Uh, yes. Around the ITAM standards, what's your um, what's your view on progress there, and and the uh, the work of ISO standards at the moment? For for people that are not aware of ISO and and what that is, could you give a quick introduction? Oh, the uh, the, the the very quick introduction is that the, the ISO standard nineteen seven seven zero is the standard for software. Well, actually now nowadays it's IT asset management, mainly focused on software assets. And it, uh, it is the standard uh, along which you can uh, perform your processes, uh, but also uh, on which uh, data uh, should flow through your organization. And it's also a standard for, uh, for instance, for uh, software ID tags uh, that has to be uh, delivered by the, the software creators. Uh, very interesting at the moment is the, the Dash Free standard uh, for entitlement, which uh, will also be changing uh, the world a little bit for software asset managers, because then uh, the the software entitlement naming will also be uh, standardized, and from there on it's easy to uh, uh, to join the, the, the license model and, and uh, payments and all the structures that are uh, out there uh, together in, in, in one view uh, and, and measure them along one standard. Uh, so yeah, that, 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 that's that's one of the important things for for uh, software asset management at the moment, and uh, and it is important certainly at this point in time because of the fact that uh, software asset management is seen throughout the world as a major topic for uh, for C level uh, managers, and uh, we need to be able to. Uh, to work this out worldwide, worldwide along uh, uh, an international standard. Otherwise, uh, the, the the global organisations won't know what to do and, and uh, where to get uh, their information. 
especially if you consider, I mean, if you look at the bigger picture beyond licensing, um, you've got people, and, and this is not within the scope of the international standard yet, but you've got the scope of people managing their own IP as well. So not just managing yeah. the IP of software they purchase, but their own IP. And does that sit in a register somewhere or how do we manage that? And we've also on the horizon, we've got the internet of everything connected to the internet, basically internet of things and lots of corporate devices, potentially all connecting to the network and uh, potentially explosive um, scope and, and increasing in demand for IT asset management. I see if, if that, falls within the ITAM remit. So I think it's yeah. um, uh, there's some good stuff going on. And just, just for those not aware, so I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nico, because you know more about this than I do, but the, the first uh, standard, the, the I think it might be called Dash Zero now, yeah. is around actual best practices. And then we have Dash Two, which is around the tags. So you put an XML tag. Every time you install some software, is accompanied by an XML tag. And then Dash right. Three is uh, the uh, in the representative representation of the um, entitlement that what you purchased as part of that transaction as well is that is that the way you describe it correct but yeah that's, that's the way I this uh, describe it and, right. and, and the, the, the dash three the, the, the latest one is, is uh, uh, um, almost out there uh, the, 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 the balloting has been started worldwide so yeah, and, and the dash one or the dash zero, as you call it, uh, there will be a new standard out there uh, within a few months, I guess. I think the um, the potentially, I mean, I'm a geek for this stuff, so um, I think the exciting thing with dash three is the ability, perhaps potentially, to for licensing to actually get more complex, and yet machines can or, or systems can read the tags and therefore we'll be less reliant on licensing experts to actually read our entitlement because it'll be embedded within tags. That's the, that's the theory at least. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's why I said that that might be the game changer for, uh, for software asset management. Uh, but the one thing that needs to be done for that is that all software creators are going to adopt this. Right. And then we still have a bit of history that needs to be, uh, be needs to be covered. So if it's out there and if our, if everybody is going to use it, uh, we still need to, to uh, work uh, 30 years of legacy uh, through uh, with, with this with this new standard. And 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 I might add one more uh, dash through that there are more of them, but there is also a dash four. Uh, which is about resource ut utilization monitoring, which is actually looking at uh, uh, how are you using your uh, your software and and uh, measuring that along a standard. So so it's easy to 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 look uh, and to make use of this uh, uh, this new standard in the future and mainly uh, for the environments where you where you buy your software if you pay for your use or something like that. Uh, because that's that's the most important thing. Uh, of course, it's it's very important to know if you're using uh, your software that you already installed and paid for, or uh, maybe you can uh, reuse it somewhere else. But uh, uh, it's mainly uh, focused on, on on future use in the cloud and and uh, and pay as you use. 
Right. Or things like, uh, it was my understanding of Dash 4 as well, that it's things like um, subcapacity licensing, whereby yep. it might be, uh, like you say, it's based on usage rather than existence of install Correct. or something. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and one... Go ahead. Yeah, that aligns with uh, the current changes that we see from various vendors where they uh, are uh, well, gradually going to the pay-per-use model. Right, absolutely. And there's a, I went to the, um, the UK-based, uh, there's, a, there's a quite an active BCS, uh, British Computing Society um, networking group in London, and there's actually yeah. a, a chat about this because one of the questions that was raised was if Adobe and Microsoft have put tags into their software, which they claim to have done, then why don't Adobe and Microsoft ask for the tags when they come to audit? And the, the short answer is it's because they're not good enough quality yet or the auditors don't even know about tags because it's quite a niche area yeah. uh, and they're not really ready for scrutiny yet. Have any any views on that? Do you think it's it's not quite mature enough to be used in anger yet, is it? It's it's not quite there yet. Uh, it all has to do with the uh, with the level of adoption worldwide and and of all the, the vendors. Uh, and and uh, if one or two people uh, at Microsoft say, okay, we're going to adopt this and we're going to work like this, uh, that doesn't really say that everybody in this organization uh, knows how to uh, work with it and, and make use of it. For instance, during an audit. Uh, on the other hand, uh, it also I think challenges. Uh, the, 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 the SAM tooling uh, builders uh, to be able to build uh, a tag, although it's not in the system, because the standard is there. It should, they should be able to. Right. And there's nothing, I think some people have attempted this, or I've heard of people doing it, is that there's nothing mm -hmm. stopping anyone from building a tag uh, for Correct. your own software. Whether you've made it yourself or not, you can still build a tag. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's the nature of a standard that anyone can do it, anyone can replicate, replicate it. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Uh, the, 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 the sad thing at the moment for, for the ISO 9770 is, is that there's no real certif certification yet. Uh, maybe uh, the good part about this is that uh, from the Netherlands we uh, taken the initiative uh, to, uh, to set the, the, the requirements uh, uh, for the different uh, forms of certification uh, for uh, for 19770, and uh, we're going to work this out uh, during uh, the next few months, and we will introduce it in the Workgroup 21 meeting in Berlin in November. Uh, I hope you will be there, uh, Martin. Otherwise, I'll uh, make sure that you will be uh, briefed about it uh, uh, up front. Yeah, I hope to attend. And I, I just a, a quick plug as well. At the end of uh, November, sorry, 18th of November. We're having yeah. a uh, ISO summit, a standard summit. So it's in London. And for anyone that's uh, interested in learning more about standards, how to apply standards, how to benefit from standard standards, and also give feedback to the people that write standards, um, there's a it's a one-day workshop in London, uh, 18th of November, low-cost ticket to attend. And it's uh, purely driven by the volunteers that run standards so it's not a for-profit event um but we're, pl we're planning to be there uh, martin cool okay um so gentlemen thank you very much for joining the podcast thank you also for joining us at our conference in october so everyone can come and meet you and learn more about the audit monitor training and uh, your approach to sam 
in October. And um, in the meantime, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Martin. <laughs>